series on, uh, uh, it's a year on, on just uh, finances and particularly on uh, priorities is my message today. So I want to call my message, Putting First Things First. Uh, you may have read, read this uh, great book, it's been around for a long time now, but it's by a guy called Stephen Covey. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Who's heard of that book or maybe read that book? But one of his uh, comments within that book, he said this, As a long-time student, I am personally persuaded that the best thinking in the area of personal and time management can be captured in a single phrase. Organize and execute around priorities. Uh, in an essay called The Common Denominator of Success, a guy called E.M. Gray who spent his life searching for one of the, or the, 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 the most important denominator in the lives of successful people. And uh, he found that it wasn't just hard work, or obviously that's important, or good luck, and a lot of successful people talk about luck, or even people skills, which again are, are very important. And he said the one factor that seemed to transcend all the rest is what he called putting first things first, or managing things according to what's important or prioritizing. So knowing our priorities, knowing what's important and then putting them in an order is clearly vital for success or, or a great level of achievement in any area of our life. And as a Christ follower, it's important that we, that we are able to know what's important. Another way of saying is major on the majors, don't major on the minors. Work out what are the important things, what are the, what are the big things in life and making sure that we are prioritizing our lives around those things and the other things fit in. Um, and as a Christ follower, it's important because people are working out what, what's important, what are my priorities. And as a, as a Christ follower, as a, as a Christian, it's important that we don't allow the world to determine what our priorities are, what is the most important thing or what are the most important things in life. We find out what those important things are and how to prioritize our life by reading the scriptures, by understanding God's word and, and discovering how he says you live a successful life. Um, so, excuse me, Jesus outlined uh, the believer's priorities when he said this in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other priorities, all these other important things, they will be added also. So Jesus was saying, <clears throat> by seeking first the kingdom, the other important things, the other desires, the other areas of life will be looked after. As I was thinking about this, I think we, because we're from a Western culture, by reading that, we run the risk of, of thinking, okay, uh, I've got to pray and read the Bible, tithe, um, witness, if I uh, do all these things first and, th and then focus on all my other things. So in other words, uh, we're very good at, at uh, compartmentalizing or, or categorizing or, or putting things in sections and areas. And we run the risk of saying, okay, well, there's my, there's my God area there, and then here's my business or my career or my work, and there's my family, and breaking it all up and then, and then putting them in a list. And I don't think that's what Jesus meant as I was reading through these scriptures when he talked about seeking 
Excuse me. First, the kingdom of God, as if to say, okay, I've got to seek first God's kingdom, which means all the spiritual stuff at the top and then all these other things. And oftentimes in, ch- in church or, or, or uh, religion has a way of saying, well, uh, only the spiritual stuff is important or valuable in life. And, and if you have any other what would be deemed secular pursuits, well, somehow that's not of God and, and not important or, or is a distraction. But I think as you read through the Scriptures, and I read through this passage in Matthew chapter 6 and chapter 5 before it of Matthew, I don't think that's the way Jesus was putting it. I think, and this is what I want to focus on in my message See, before he said that about seeking first the kingdom, in Matthew chapter 6, he just taught what's uh, known as the Sermon on the Mount. You may have heard of the Sermon on the Mount. He'd just gone and he'd been teaching what the kingdom of God was all about. And, uh, and as he did that, what, what are the priorities? And, and that Sermon on the Mount is known as the, the Ten Commandments of the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, you had the Ten Commandments, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. And then Jesus comes and he teaches the, the essence of the kingdom of God. And, and, he, and if you know that, I haven't got time to go through it all right now. But uh, later on, Jesus said, oh, you can summarize the Ten Commandments. You can summarize the kingdom by two statements, loving God first and then loving people. If that is the, your approach to life, then you are fulfilling the purpose of the kingdom. And so I just want to go through some of them. I don't think I'll have time to go through all of them. But if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, if we look at what Jesus was saying, he wasn't so much saying, okay, here's a list of do's and don'ts like the Old Testament. Do this, do that, do pray. That doesn't mean that you don't pray. But we have, we, we in a, the way we're taught to think and to, to plan, and it's all about efficiency. It's all about um, pragmatism. It's all about you know, getting through a list of to-dos. And I think uh, the Bible and, and the culture which Jesus was in, it was a lot more holistic. It was a lot more all-encompassing. It wasn't ordered like that, but we're engaged in all of these things at the same time. And so when he's talking about seeking first the kingdom, I don't think he's saying, okay, pray, and then you can focus on all these other things because the kingdom... When Jesus was talking what the kingdom is, it wasn't about to-dos. It was about the heart. And so I want to look at a couple of these as we go through it. Um, so to seek first the kingdom in all we do is to uh, accept our humanness and also the humanness of the people around us, understanding that there are strengths and weaknesses in all. Um, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said in Matthew 5, 5, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall... Oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong page. That's later on. The first one he said is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That speaks of humility. So I don't think Jesus is saying, okay, make sure you pray, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. If we look at what he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he was saying, yes, it's great to have career dreams and desires and to have ambition and to want to do all these things. But in your pursuit of these things, it's important that in your heart there is an essence of humility. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom. 
is that when you're desiring and, and wanting to fulfill God's purpose for your life and, and to get, have meaning and, and, and ambition, and none of these things are bad in and of themselves, unless they are a pursuit which is devoid of any of God's spirit, any of God's heart, any of God's compassion for other people, not only for God, but for other people. So he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So what does that mean in regards to seeking first the kingdom and all these other things being added? Humility knows that we need God. So it's not saying, well, I'm just my own captain and I can do all this on my own. It recognizes dependence. Understanding that we're dependent beings is one of the key foundations to the Christian life that sets us up for success. Um, And so we've got to ask ourselves, when was the last time we said to God, God, I need you, not when we're in a situation of need, but when we just had a big success, when we've just had a, a, a win, when we've just had a victory, to understand that even in the midst of our victories and our highs and our great achievements, that we're going, God, I need you at this moment as much as I do when I'm needing finance and needing a breakthrough and needing healing and needing all those things, that we are dependent in every asset and facet of our being. When we were down in Adelaide and I was doing my graduation and I was waiting, it was like two hours of people's names being called up for different degrees and whatever people going through. But I remember I was just sitting there going, God, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I'm so thankful for everything that you've given me and that and that I I need you in my life. I, I want you in my life. It's really important. Humility understands that we are dependent upon God, even in our greatest moments. It recognizes great we are not. That's a quote from Yoda. <laughs> great we are not. <laughs> <laughs> um, that we're not great in and of ourselves, that, that, that God has blessed us in so many areas and is working behind the scenes in so many ways. The Bible teaches that. And although that we can't see them, we recognize and we, and we say, God, thank you. That's humility. When it comes to our finances and we're bringing our tithes to God and, we're, and we're, whether it be part of vision builders or whatever we, and what God's doing within uh, the, the city and beyond through our, our locations, 11 locations around this city coming together to celebrate. I want to encourage you to be there for that, not, not just for the purpose of giving, but, and, and you might have got a text for me this week, it's really important that we continually remember why we're doing what we're doing. That's what Vision Builders is about. Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? If we forget the why, then it becomes difficult to do the what. Because the what gets hard, the what gets difficult, the what we can get bogged down, disillusioned, discouraged in the what, doing all the what. But if we remember why we're doing it, we feel empowered to continue to go through. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet registered, come to Vision Builders, um, go to the next step and say, hey, I want to be there. We're going to be sitting at tables. There'll be, as Joe said, over a thousand people from all, all of our locations. It'd be great to have our Roselle people together. And we can be reminded of not only what we've achieved as a church over the last 12 months, and there's been incredible things that that we here in Roselle and across all our locations have achieved in our city and beyond, but to remember why we're doing it, that we are here first and foremost to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So encourage you to do that. Make the effort. 
uh, this Friday night and uh, come into the ICC in the city and uh, you'll ha- have a great night. Uh, so humility. Uh, humility admits its own shortcomings and congratulates others on their successes. To be able to congratulate other people. Some people find it really hard to go, oh, well done, that's great, because, because they feel that that somehow takes away from themselves. They feel bad about themselves and therefore they find it very difficult to congratulate or to build up or to, to uh, lift up other people, uh, to be able to say, well done, to be able to serve people, people who we may think is, is less than us or not even equal to us in various ways. Um, but humility is willing to serve. And that's taught throughout all the scriptures. Do not think we're better than anybody else because of our education or because of our position or because of our financial status or whatever it is. And all those things are great to have, but they in no way uh, make us better than anybody else. And to understand that everything we have has come from God anyway allows us to be humble enough to go, hey, let me serve you. Let me do this for you. Let me... Let me make you feel important. And it's important that we do this in church. It's important that we do this in our homes and people come over, serve people, uh, make them feel special. Um, and just in life in general, humility waits patiently. I want you to say this. Say, I am patient. <laughs> now, I know that's a faith statement for most of us, <laughs> but that's okay. To be able to say, you know what, I am a patient person. We all keep saying to ourselves, oh, I'm so impatient, I'm so impatient. Stop saying that. Start saying, I, I'm a patient person. I, I'm trusting in God. It's going to work out for good. Humility restrains anger. To be, able to, give, forgive, to be able to forgive others is a sign of humility. As Jesus said, well, you've been forgiven, so forgive others. Um, so to understand, again, we're in this dependent relationship. We're not autonomous. We're not separated from everybody else bringing judgment and, and, and our own opinions. But we've received forgiveness from God. We've been given second chances. God has not held against us our mistakes or the things that we've said in the past that we regret, but has forgiven us. And therefore, we need to have the humility then, even though people hurt us and do stuff that maybe costs us money or whatever, to able to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let that go. I forgive you. That takes humility. Uh, humility is not always boasting of its own achievements. Did you hear I did my MBA this week? Oh, no. <laughs> humility is not something, humility is not something that's given to us. You don't get given humility. You might get given humiliation, But that's not humility. James says in chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of God. Humility is something you do for yourself. You can't be given humility. You make a decision, I'm going to be humble. Um, And it says, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. You don't need to push your own agenda. You don't need to make your own way. God is going to bless you. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says this in the message translation, which I really like. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. That's humility right there. And God says, as you take this approach into your career or your future or your life where 
where everybody else is just dog eat dog and, and I'm pushing my way to the front and I'm pushing into the queue and I'm getting to the front and it's all about me. Jesus says, no, if you take a step back, if you, if you live humbly trusting in me, I will elevate you. I will make a way where you would never have been able to get there. That takes great faith to do that. But it works. It works. So humility, that, when Jesus is talking about seek first the kingdom, he's talking about our approach to life and everything we pursue and all our endeavors that we're doing, that we're approaching them humbly. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom, that we have a humbleness, a humility in our approach and in our life and the way we live. Um, but that doesn't mean ser- that we're servile either, that we're somehow a doormat or that we're, we're weak. It's uh, because we choose humility, we also retain our nobility. doesn't mean you're any less than anybody else. doesn't mean you're, you're somehow need to be, uh, you need to um, be um, non-confident in who you are or how God's made you. Uh, it's important that we don't mix that by being humble, somehow we're servile. No, we, work, we walk tall. We're confident in who we are. We're proud of who we are and who God's making us, not of all the things that we've done, but where we're going and what we're doing. To have that balance takes great maturity. To go, you know what, I can serve others, but I'm also, I can walk tall and confident and proud of who I am. I can look people in the eye when I shake their hand. I don't need to look at, at the ground. But I still treat people with respect and with dignity no matter who I meet, no matter who they are, no matter what position they hold. That's what Jesus meant when he meant when it comes to uh, seeking first the kingdom around that area of humility. Second one, empathy. Jesus said, again, working through the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Empathy feels other people's pain. It means that we are, that we are in touch with other people. We haven't cut ourselves off, compartmentalized life, that we're over here and everybody here is, else is over there, but, but we resonate with people's weakness. Every one of us carries strengths and weaknesses. And to understand that when people are going, doing it tough, when things aren't working out, that we have empathy for other people, uh, that we don't celebrate, as it says in Proverbs, and we don't celebrate when other people fail, when they fall over, when things don't work out for them. Even, even if there's something inside of us that we would love to because they've either done something to us or they've, they've been uh, arrogant uh, or proud, uh, but, we, but we mourn. We don't judge people who are stumbling in life. We're not unmoved by their circumstances or their situation. We have a heart. Uh, we have compassion. Disciples are emotionally motivated people. So we, 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 we're motivated by the heart, not just by the head. Uh, it's very easy to just be objective and go, oh, I don't care about that or how that affects that person or anybody else. I'm just doing this, I'm doing this, I'm going after that, and I've got to get over them. If I've got to push them to the side, if I've got to get them out of the way, then that's okay because this is where I'm going. Um, but we feel people's grief. We feel people's weakness and we support them in that time. I've quoted this book a few times, Jean Varnia. It's called Becoming Human and I've quoted it a few times. Um, but he said this and it really uh, resonated with me. Because it's something we don't want to focus on very often. But he said this, 
Um, our lives are a mystery of growth from weakness to weakness, from the weakness of a child to the weakness of the aged. We go from weakness to weakness. Some people are infuriated by weakness, by the cry of a child. It infuriates them. The, 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 when, when someone in need comes to us, it infuriates them. Uh, and when we, but when we, he says this, but when we need to be powerful and strong all the time, to be always surrounded by the strong and the ill, that those not in need, then we live in illusion. We are denying a part of ourselves and our mortality. To be small, to be sick, to be dying, are stages of powerlessness. And they're anti-life, so we try to avoid them and we try to deny them. And we try to get them out of our sight. But it is a part of life. And it's important that as Christ followers, that when we've got our goals, financial goals and our, and our career goals and, and all these areas of our life, in the midst of that, we still have a heart for those who are doing it tough, who may be struggling, who don't have the opportunities that we have, and that we are including them in our life. To seek first the kingdom in all we do is to accept not only ours, but other people's humanness around us, a strength of strength and weakness. To accept people not as they should be, but as they are, is important. And that's part of what Jesus asks us to do as we go forward. Empathy, number three. What time is it? I've only got 25 of these. <laughs> I'm only going to do five or six of them. Uh, the third one that Jesus talks about is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is talking about gentleness. Uh, meekness can be also translated gentleness. Gentleness doesn't mean weakness. Again, it's, it's similar to empathy. It's being sensitive to the feelings of others. Um, gentleness doesn't push. It waits. It gives others time. Meekness, it's not harsh on people. The antonyms of, of this word... Uh, that Jesus used is to be boisterous, to be barbarous, to be coarse, to be cruel, to be ill-mannered, ill-tempered, heartless, harsh, gross. Then if we're any of these or any of these behaviors are coming out of us, then we're not meek. We're not, we're not, uh, we haven't got that spirit that Jesus talks about when it comes to achieving our goals and, and moving forward in life. Um, Proverbs says this in 1632, better a patient person than a warrior one with self-control than one who takes a city. It's better to have self-control than to be an overachiever, which is, I guess, if you want to put it in modern vernacular, because the underwritten message in this is because if you don't have the self-control, you're not going to keep what you get anyway. So you might, you might take the city, but you're not going to hold the city because you don't have self-control. You will lose what you've attained if you don't have self-control. So gentleness, meekness. Number four, uh, Matthew 5, 6. And I'll finish with this one. Uh, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or rightness, for they shall be filled. Um, so the secret of being filled with God is to hunger for God, for His ways, for His Spirit in our lives. Uh, that's how we get filled. Desire is a great motivator. 
Uh, and God has placed this motivator within the human spirit to achieve, to achieve great things, great exploits, to, to go over and above and beyond what would it, we'd ever do without a desire, a passion burning on the inside, whatever that might be. Um, and many of us have desires and passion in, in all different areas. And, you know, when you set goals and you've got that passion, you it does. I was saying to someone uh, since I finished my MBA, I was saying, I, I, I got no idea how I did that because now I'm not doing it. I still don't have any time. <laughs> so where did that time come from that I did? Because, you know, you set a goal and you you find space for the things you want to do. So desire is a great thing. It forces us out of our comfort zone and creates capacity that wasn't there. But when we decide and we say, yes, I'm going to do that, then we begin to find or stretch bigger than we were going to be before. And that's a good thing. That's from God, whether it be in sports, you know, the World Cup, all, all these different things that are going on at the moment. Um. Desire is a great thing. And Jesus says here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That, that word also means right. It simply means the rightness of God in our world. God's, God's desire, God's heart, God's spirit is at work. When we hunger after that, which is again saying what Jesus said, seeking first the kingdom of God. We, want, we don't just want to achieve. We want to achieve it God's way. There's no point just amassing a great accumulation of finances and then be uh, selfish or, or to see the rest of our world disintegrate or deteriorate around us. And there's so many parables within the scriptures and stories of people's lives who have prioritized and, and spent their whole life seeking after things other than people and are disappointed at the end. And so hungering and thirsting... And having a desire to achieve, but to achieve with the spirit of what Jesus talks about here, with humility, with empathy and compassion, with gentleness. Um, and that doesn't mean, like I said, being a walkover and letting everyone do whatever they want to do and not being able to stand up for yourself and not being able to say no. It's not talking about that. It's having a strength on the inside. But even when we do say no, we can do it with a sense of compassion, a sense of heart, but also going, no, this is the right thing to do. No, no, I'm not going to pay $5,000 for that <laughs> when it's only worth $500. Um, to not let people take advantage of us. Uh, that's not Christianity. In fact, Jesus said, as you, as you uh, live out these, um, as you live out these, uh, this spirit, people will try and take advantage of you. And that's why he said, he said there's wolves in the world. There are wolves out there that, wanna, that want to take, your life or your possessions or the things that you've got. But he said, you want to be as innocent as a dove, but as wise as a serpent. In other words, not foolish, not naive, not walking through life with your eyes closed. That's not what he's talking about here. It's being innocent in the sense of living for God and wanting to embrace God's spirit and purpose and ways, but at the same time having wisdom in dealing with people. We don't give ourselves over to people. In fact, the Bible says of Jesus, Jesus gave himself to no man because he knew what was in every, the heart of every man. He never sur surrendered himself to another person. Um, so to be hungry, to, to seek after God, to know what's important in the context of what Jesus was saying. And when it talks about hunger, 
we really don't. Uh, when Jesus was saying this, they lived in a they lived in an environment in a culture where they saw they saw hunger, they saw people starving on the streets. I mean, the closest thing we come to it is maybe seeing a World Vision ad on TV. We say we're starving when we haven't had breakfast. <laughs> I'm starving. Um, but when Jesus was talking about hungering and thirsting here, the word is they're talking about starving. It's talking about, um, where, I had it here. Oh, the, when the, the word that the Bible uses, it speaks of an inner pain and anguish that if not satisfied will bring death. That's starving. And so when Jesus is saying, when you hunger and thirst after God's ways, God's spirit, when you hunger, when you have a, a desire for the things of God in our lives and His way of life, at the point where if I don't achieve, if I don't have that, I would rather die than achieve all those things without Him in my world. Then we're beginning to understand what He's talking about. That's what He means. That's His desire for us. And so, as I finish up, I. I I want to encourage you when it comes to, obviously we're talking about vision builders and priorities in our life. Ambition is not a, an evil thing. It's not a sin. In fact, God has put desire in the hearts of every person to cause us to, to live at a higher level and increase capacity and, and do greater things than we would ever have been able to do if we just sat at home and watched Love Island. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, and so ambition, desire to want to achieve, to want to, to want to, um, to want to, whether get a, a property or have a portfolio or, or to achieve great things in life, there's nothing wrong with all of that. And thank Jesus said, I'll add all those things to you. I don't think what he meant was if you pray and read the Bible and tithe, then I'll make all these things happen. I don't think that's what he was saying. What he was saying is, when you pursue those things with my spirit and my way and this heart, then those things will come to pass. And not only will they come to pass, they'll come to pass in a way where, where we are proud of the life that we've lived, we're proud of the legacy that we've lived, and we're proud of the things that we've achieved and the people that we've helped in the process. That it's not just about us. It is about bringing change and transformation and hope and love to those around us in the journey as well so seek first the kingdom of God that we're approaching our life with humility with empathy towards others with gentleness but not weakness and hungering and thirsting in a way where we want it, but only God's way. Only God's way. And He will make those things happen when we put Him first. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that Your Word works and Your way is the way. It doesn't always seem the way. And it doesn't always seem like it's working. But we walk by faith and not by sight knowing and believing that your word does work. That when we follow your ways, when we implement your strategies, when we, when we go after your heart and your spirit, we live our lives in accordance with 
your kingdom, life works out. We thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you that you're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And as we put others first, you lift us up. You create opportunities that would never have come. You open up doors that would never have opened because you make a way where there is no way. We thank you, God, that you're on our side and that we will do great and mighty things because we know you. We love you and we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as I finish now, you may be here today and I think it's always important to, as we're talking about prioritize, prioritizing and putting important things first, the most important things in, in just in order, that we reaffirm our commitment to Christ. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never actually asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. You've never actually put God first in your life. That's what it means to say yes to Jesus, to say, Lord, I put you first in my life. I want to know you. I want to know your way. Maybe you've never done that. You've never prayed a prayer that said, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. If you've never done that, or maybe you've done it at some point, at some time, but that order has got out of sync a little bit. You're not really putting God first at the moment. You're not really seeking first the kingdom. You're sort of seeking your own way. And you know, you know it. But today you're saying, God, I want to put you first. I'm coming back to you and your way and your order. So if you've never prayed this prayer to ask Jesus Christ into your life, or you want to, you want to pray it again here today, and in your heart go, Lord, I'm coming back. I want to put you first again. I want to get things in order, the correct order again. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you at the end of the service. If you can just put up your hand while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, so I can see it as an indicator to me and to God that you mean business. At the end of this service, I'm just going to pray for you, lead you in a prayer that asks Jesus into your life. Just put up your hand so I can see it, and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, yeah, that's me. I'd like to do that. I want to put Jesus first. I want to reaffirm my commitment to Him and His way. Just put it up high, and I'm going to pray at the end of the service. Why don't we all stand? You know, it's coming towards the uh, end of the financial year, as many of you may know. You may need to do your tax uh, next month if you haven't done it already. Just as a reminder, if, if you have made a commitment to Vision Builders last financial year, uh, if you want to, uh, and we haven't mentioned this, but it is tax deductible. The, the money that you give towards Vision Builders is tax deductible. And you want to uh, claim that tax deduction this in this next, uh, in your next tax return, then you need to fulfill that commitment before, the end, before June 30. Uh, so there's envelopes there to do that. Uh, you can do it online. There's various ways. If you've made a commitment last year, you haven't yet fulfilled it, you're saying, hey, I need to get that done before the end of the financial year to get a cl to claim your tax deduction, then you need to do that before June 30. Um, but on the 17th, so this Friday, we're going to be making, uh, well, we're going to come together, celebrate our vision. And for those that want to contribute to the vision financially, uh, on Friday night or on next Sunday, then that will be for the next financial year, not for this one coming up June 30 this year, just clarifying. 
Uh, but let me pray for you here today. It's always good coming to the end of the financial year to again reaffirm, why are we doing what we're doing? What are we trying to achieve? Where are we going? How are we going with that? And if we've let go of something that we wanted to achieve to go, hey, I'm going to get back onto that. I'm going to reset that goal. I'm going to reset. I'm going to recalibrate. I'm going to get going again. Hopefully, that's my desire here today, that the things you're wanting to do or you feel like God's called you to, you're feeling reinvigorated, stirred. If you've let it go, got discouraged or disillusioned to go, hey, I'm, I'm going to get going and move forward with that again. Father, I thank you for each and every one of us, God. As we put you first, your, your heart is toward us. The Scriptures make it clear that not only in the eternal life, but in this life, your desire is to bring blessing and favour and wholeness into our world. And the best way to see that happen is to live by your spirit and your ways and things work out. Seek first the kingdom of God, your righteousness, and all these other things will be added. They'll work out. We'll live whole, fulfilled, significant, valuable lives that not only touch our world, but touch the lives of those around us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Let us see your vision. Open up our eyes. And we thank you, God, that you're with us every single step of the way in Jesus' name. And everybody said,